This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. $50. Teams can be made of men and women 16 and older. For more info or to register, go to nowdecator.com. And for more stories, podcasts, and videos, go to nowdecator.com. Another state plans to take the Trump name off the ballot. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News, Illinois, joins Maine and Colorado with a judge's ruling that the former president could appeal like he has in other cases. The U.S. Supreme Court's already heard arguments from Colorado about a similar claim. The controversy centers on the 14th Amendment, which bars anyone from serving as an officer of the U.S., if they engaged in insurrection or rebellion. Lawyers for the former president have argued the amendment doesn't apply in this case. Fox is still NATO. Now the Supreme Court will hear another Trump appeal April 22nd, considering his claim that he should be immune from prosecution for actions he took while in office. This is an attempt to get the federal 2020 election-related criminal case against him dismissed. With the border a big election issue, there will be dueling Trump-Biden border visits going today, both of them. The president will be in Brownsville, where Fox's Lawrence Jones is. You know, the big question for the president of the United States, why is, why this location? I mean, I was here a year ago when there was an actual surge going on. Now we're down to about 15 to 17 migrants uh, crossing illegally a day. That's in that area. The Trump trip is to Eagle Pass, where there are more illegal crossings, but the White House calls his visit a political stunt. Fox's Sean Hannity will interview the former president in Texas at 9 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. Chaos and more death in Gaza. Israel saying a crowd of Palestinians waiting for food and other humanitarian aid turned into a stampede and attempted looting, and their soldiers opened fire. Palestinian officials say more than 100 people were killed, bringing the number of Palestinian deaths in the war in Gaza to over 30,000. The developments inside Gaza come as talks for a possible ceasefire continue. And U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said in a statement, quote, the most important thing when this conflict in Gaza comes to an end is to end this cycle of violence once and for all. Fox's Trey Yingston, Tel Aviv, a police officer in Washington, D.C., was shot. People in the area of the Naval Yard urged to shelter in place as the search continues for the shooter. America's listening to Fox News. Hey, a lot of you know that I learned how to use a firearm when I was 11 years old. I've been practicing my entire life, and people ask me all the time, Hannity, what kind of gun should I get? Well, now I'm telling them, go to Henry Repeating Arms. And I always tell them to start just by going to their website, henryusa.com. You're going to get a free catalog. Now, Henry has over 200 models of rifles and shotguns to choose from. They're made with the finest craftsmanship I've ever seen, and you don't beat their performance. Every one I have was accurate right out of the box and reliable ever since. Their company motto is made in America or not made at all. They have a lifetime warranty, family-owned business, and these folks are true patriots who give back to our military, our vets, our first responders, sick kids, you name it. They support gun safety, and they support our Second Amendment. So if you're in the market for a high-quality American-made firearm, just go to HenryUSA.com. You get their free catalog, listed dealers, and free decals, HenryUSA.com. You'll love this company. Well, as former President Trump tries to get a criminal case dropped and deals with another state removing him from a ballot, he's also dealing with a very expensive appeal in a New York civil case. Former President Trump offered to put up $100 million toward the $454 million judgment against him, saying on appeal he couldn't raise all the funds needed, in part because of a block on allowing him to obtain loans. An appellate judge, though, sided with the New York Attorney General, finding he has to post the full amount, but is allowing him to seek loans in order to do so. Lower court judge found the former president and his company lied about the amount his real estate is worth in order to obtain better loans and insurance policies. The former president said the case against him amounts to election interference. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Parts of the Texas panhandle are in smoldering ruins. In a wildfire disaster, one woman's been killed. Well, our house is still standing. But that man's neighbor's we're not so lucky. The pictures are heartbreaking. Small communities with only a few thousand people are bearing the brunt of massive wildfires that have spread over several counties and 500 miles. Fox's Casey Stiegel in Dallas. The government may not partially shut down as feared this weekend. Congressional leaders have come to an agreement on six appropriation spending bills to fund a group of government agencies. According to a joint statement, the plan is to vote on the bills by March 8th. With a partial government shutdown deadline Friday, a GOP source tells Fox News the House plans to vote Thursday on a short-term spending bill to fund the government for another week. 
Leaders say Congress will work on finishing and passing the final six spending bills before March 22nd, saying, quote, We are in agreement that Congress must work in a bipartisan manner to fund our government. On Capitol Hill, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. On Wall Street, stocks could fall again like yesterday. Dow futures down about 100 points ahead of another report this morning on inflation. I'm Dave Anthony, and this is Fox News. Budweiser presents Pizzazz this Saturday at Slider's Bar and Grill. Pizzazz is Central Illinois' favorite party dance band, and they're ready to see you for an early show at Slider's Bar and Grill. Don't miss a fun evening of dancing at Slider's starting at 4 p.m. Grab some dinner, get a butter Bud Light, drink and dance all night long. Pizzazz at Slider's Bar and Grill this Saturday, 4 p.m. Slider's Bar and Grill, located on Route 36 East in Decatur. This is real estate agent Sandra Yelovich with Brinkarder Realtors. If you're thinking about buying or selling a home, I can help. Selling opportunities are better than ever. Call me, Sandra Yelovich, at 217-855-1196 to find out more. Investing in real estate is investing in your future. So again, call me, Sandra, at 217-855-1196 for all your real estate needs. Find your way home. Brinkarder.com. Here's a look at your News Channel 20 Storm Team forecast today. Sunny with a high of 48. Tonight, partly cloudy, low of 31. For Friday, slight chance of rain and snow, mostly cloudy, high near 46. Saturday, sunny with a high near 62. Current temperature in downtown Decatur, 23 degrees. Your WSOY time is 7.06. Good morning and welcome to a very sunny beginning to the Thursday edition of Buyers and Company. City Hall insider Paul Osborne in studios, former mayor of Decatur, publisher of the Decatur Tribune. We'll also check in with Mark Tupper and Tupper on Sports. Company starts now. Buyers and Company, WSOY, 1340 AM, 103.3 FM, streaming live at nowdecatur.com. Good morning. We're back here on a beautiful Thursday morning, and uh, Paul Osborne joins us in studios. I don't know this news coming out uh, about uh, Illinois now being the third state uh, trying to keep uh, former President Trump off the ballot here in Illinois. Now, I, I know this had already been uh, blocked uh, by the Illinois Supreme Court one time. Now we've got a judge uh, in Chicago saying, nope, he can't be on, and we'll see what ends up happening here. This this doesn't – I don't get why we're doing this here. It, and doesn't it play into the hands of, like, the Illinois Freedom Caucus and the people that will tell you they're trying to take away your vote? I mean, at 701, if these are the two candidates on Election Day, Illinois will be called for Joe Biden. Yeah, and I, I, I'm I, with you on, on this one here. I'm not – I don't know why in this May, by Friday, uh, I think they have until Friday to appeal this and – you know, make a decision on it because he may still be on the ballot then. It's because the one judge said this doesn't mean that he's going to be off the ballot and the appeal might, you know, might put him back on or I, keep him on. I don't understand why. I mean, if we end up, and, and who knows what will happen at the end of the day, but if we end up having 47 states being able to vote for a guy and three states can't vote for a guy, whether he should be on the ballot, I mean, this isn't even, I'm not even making a judgment call on whether he should or shouldn't be. I'm just saying in Illinois, I don't understand why anyone's concerned about Donald Trump winning Illinois. Yeah, and not only that, I think it, it certainly uh, gives a case for uh, for Donald Trump to say, you know, they're trying to they're trying to keep me off the ballot. You know, you people want me, and they're trying to keep me off the ballot. So you probably have people then even more outraged and more supportive of Donald Trump because of things like this they're trying to do to keep him off the ballot. Let me be very clear. I, I, I am not one of those people at all. I'm just saying if it comes down to the end of the day and it's Colorado, Maine, and Illinois, but uh, every other state is the I, – I, I just – I don't know. I, I, Strategy-wise, I don't think it's smart. I, I can't speak to Colorado or Maine. I just don't know what they're worried about in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, and I think it's, you look at the, the whole process this time around and it's just, it's crazy. And from so many 
from so many angles. I mean, you talk about the issues that they're discussing, the major issues of concern to to the people. They're using uh, the the border crisis as an example. Probably the the big football that gets kicked back and forth. There's something that could be done, and that could have been done about this. You know, well, there's no sense doing know. anything if if they can use it as a weapon against each. Other. That's why I, I have very little faith of uh, you know. Uh, for most people that are in Washington, D.C., and in an election year particularly. I remember Rahm Emanuel, when he was then Congressman uh, Emanuel, before he was chief of staff for Barack Obama and then mayor of Chicago, we had a group uh, uh, there uh, of about 50 or 60 people in Washington, D.C., and he was one of the people who came in uh, to address uh, the crowd. And he was, I think, the chair of the DNC then uh, when they were trying to win back Congress. And this was in the spring, and and one of the educators asked him if there would be any, like, legislation between now and November. And he was, like, just as brutally honest as any politician I've ever heard in my life. He goes, we're not doing anything. Yeah. We're not giving anybody any victories, and we're not taking away any sticks we can use to, you know, beat the other side. So basically saying for the next seven or eight months, we're going to be here not doing your business, not doing the people's business. All we're doing is trying to win the election in November. Now, I'm not criticizing him. I think he was just being honest about what they all do. And I guarantee you, if you ask them now privately, that's what they would tell you. No, they're not. No one is interested in in actually solving the border crisis. Well, I I think uh, President Biden is interested in doing something more positive than he has been doing. Would it be good for him? But the Republicans in the House are not ever going to do that. I mean, they had bipartisan legislation. There were several Republican congressmen that were on board with that. And then Trump, via Truth Social or whatever, you you know, uh, social media, uh, and this is the power he has within GOP party, even the people who know it's the right thing to do get afraid to do the right thing. Well, that's because it takes it off the table as as an issue if you resolve that now then but you're not gonna, but he yeah. promised to resolve it during his presidency yeah and i think when you when you look at that that's what really concerns me uh, on both sides you know if if something is important and, and i would agree I, i'm concerned about what's happening at the border i'm concerned about you know it's almost well it is out of control and something has to be done about it i think i'm even more concerned is the attitude is I will do something about this when it benefits me as a presidential candidate on both sides. And uh, I think the only reason you're you're seeing Joe Biden, President Biden, uh, take the action going to the border, he he knows that that's a critical part of what people are thinking. And so both are using it. They're both going to the border today, and all they're going to do is keep people from doing their jobs. Because of the extra security and all the resources are going to have to go to try to put both of those guys down there today uh, from actually doing like protecting the border. Well, and I think what concerns me, and we see this so often now, that it's not about what's best for the country. It's what's best for a candidate. We'll take care of this once we're elected or once we're reelected. We'll take care of this. We'll take care of it now. You know, and you really have the power now to to deal with this and take care of this, but you don't want to because it takes away a major campaign issue. So you're putting your campaign either on both sides. I'm not talking about one side or the other. You're putting your campaign ahead of a solution that helps the American people. You could take action right now. Yeah. Well, my friend, your friend, uh, Howard Buffett wrote a, a book, two books about this and says that the, that the politicians are the reason we're not solving the problem. And, and the only way you're going to solve the problem is to get politics out of the problem. Uh, and, you know, if you think about how your business works or how your company works, you, you know, do you sit down and put a team together to fix something that's wrong or do you stand out on the street corner yelling about it, uh, you know, so you can get people outraged and you go back into your work and nothing gets done? I, that's all they do anymore. Well, I, Not all of them. Yeah. I, I will say that there were plenty of serious-minded, bipartisan people on both sides of the aisle that put together a plan to help with what's going on at the border, and it was just dead on arrival in the House. Well, I think, too, you know, if people say, well, I didn't like that, but that was a start. That was something you could do now. That was something that would exercise some controls over now. It had a lot of what you asked for yep. in that, and you rejected that, and you rejected it for one reason, because it would not be a major campaign issue if you went ahead and started solving it now. Well, here, let me give you the irony of ironies. The February 25th Gallup polling numbers about uh, what's important to the American voter, right? And there's economic issues, and then there's non-economic issues, you know, are kind of the categories. The top two non-economic problems, right? Immigration and government poor leadership. 
So the the top two numbers are we know this is a problem at the border and we have no confidence in the leadership that's supposed to be solving the problem at the border. And I can understand why why the results uh, tell us that story. And it's a story that people know they want that solved. And it's not that they hate immigrants or, or anyone else, anyone coming across the border. They want some controls and some reasonable approaches made to this. A plan. Yeah, yep. a plan. Uh, economic problems, the economy in general, high cost of living and inflation, uh, federal budget deficit, federal debt. I, I've never had an actual personal conversation with anybody in my life where they go, you know, that deficit. I, I, it's just <laughs> one of those things. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be concerned with it. What I hear is the price of food, uh, the, the cost of living, you know, how we're spending 26 to 30 percent more on groceries. You know, those are the things I hear from people. Well, you too. And you experience that every day and i think particularly if you have a family if two or three kids at home i mean you're paying and i know just uh, you know going out and just buying a sandwich or something anymore yep. it's 10 bucks without a drink and it's just uh, it's unbelievable and i i think the people that you know and here's another thing too you know you in illinois you keep raising uh, the minimum wage but that minimum wage is probably not going as far as before you even raised it because prices keep going up. Right. You raise the minimum wage, it's going to be made up somewhere. Those businesses are going to make that up. They're going to charge more for their product. They're going to yeah. charge more for their service. I, I you know, I, I'm of two minds on that. I, I know it's a factor, and I talk to small business people, uh, and I hear that. But there's an awful lot of people making an awful lot of profit, and prices aren't going down. They're going up, and you're getting less for your money, and there's plenty of corporate greed out there where – you know, do I think that, that fast food jobs ought to be a career for people? No. When I was a kid, those were teenager jobs. You know, you do that to help pay for school, do whatever. Uh, I don't have a problem with the, the uh, minimum wage going up. It was too low for too long. It really was. Uh, you have to do things with businesses in mind and understand that they've got the same. They're paying all the same for gas and, and food and everything else. But there's enough of that to go around. I don't, the wage issues is a thing. The gap between rich and poor is a thing. But if you look at what people are, it's the economy in general. It's the high cost of living and inflation. That is the main thing. And then immigration, but then the lack of trust of government to do anything about these kind of problems are head and head in the non-economic issues. I don't even hear politicians talking about solutions anymore. No. Uh -uh. I mean, when was the last time you interviewed somebody that goes, you, you know, here's how we solve this? Yeah. Yeah, usually it's just, well, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand up for you. How are you going to do that? <laughs> you know, well, you know, I'll tell you later is basically what they're, they're saying. I'm going to represent, I'm going to be your voice for you. But they're running all the time. So there's not even a window now of where you can put that on the side table and actually work to get something done. I mean, they're constantly campaigning. Well, yeah, the campaign starts for the next, uh, for the next election right after they win. Right. Like, and it used yeah. to be there was a window where you actually governed. Yeah, and you got some things done before you had to get out and campaign again. It's just a constant campaign now. And every decision, seemingly, every decision that many uh, people make who, who represent us is, how will this affect my election? You know, will this play well on my election? And as you know, you get a lot of news releases from uh, office holders telling us what they're doing in that about six months before the election. You know, maybe those should come out all along uh, and, and that you're doing things. Yep. Now, all along, not yeah. just right before election. So it's interesting. Uh, we, we we now hear the Brad Halbrook commercials uh, during the uh, the morning show here. I don't ever recall him buying advertising. Uh, Congressman Mary Miller is the intro. They can't even agree on how to pronounce his last name. Mm -hmm. She calls him something different than he calls himself. Is that right? <laughs> well, he has he has some competition in the uh, in the primary. I think a lady from yeah, but it, it's just interesting though that um, people who won't come on the show will buy advertising in the show, which then is in stark contrast to what they tell people about not coming on the show. Yeah, well, I, that's that's true. You you see this, and I hear this. Uh, you know, I I won't go on that show. You know, and probably nobody listens to it anyway. But he advertises on it because they know they do. Right, that's it. It's yeah. all uh, it, it's so disingenuous, every bit of it. Uh, I mean, it is all I'm just asking is if, if I'm getting an endorsement from somebody, they pronounce my name right, you, you know, in the commercial. <laughs> Otherwise, it sounds like you've never met. 
Well, that's the advantage we have in, in the news, uh, the newspaper, the print newspaper. We don't have to spell it right. As long as you spell it right. Do you, do you think there's any change? I mean, I, I just see those districts as being so drawn to like, I mean, I don't understand. I, 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 we haven't had anybody on, uh, to be honest, other than the Erickson, uh, Regan Deering, uh, campaign. Uh, and, and I don't, I don't even look forward to it anymore. No, it used to be a big deal. I mean, really well, did. it used to be yeah. you could have an honest conversation with people. I, I mean, you really could. Like, you didn't feel like they were just lying through their teeth to you. I mean, that they would, like, if you had an agreement or a disagreement, you, you know, you would debate, like, the issues and talk about things and solutions. And none of them do that anymore. No, and that's what I really appreciated, you know, from uh, from a lot of the people that we interviewed, you interviewed, and I did for the paper in the past. That you could sit down, and you could have a conversation with them, and they had a reasonable approach to either running or serving. And they're saying, "This is how," I, and you'd ask them any question, and and they would say, "Well, you may not agree with me, but this is how I feel about it," and you get an honest answer. And I don't know. Maybe it's the it's the change in the world, it's the change in the attitude, the way people drive today, and everything else. It's a little crazy out there right now, and I think that's reflected also in politics. It's yeah. it, it's it's crazy right now. It really is. And I, you know, maybe a little crazy is okay, but it seems like some of these paths that uh, some of these office holders go down, uh, you know, that they stun me almost. Considering like, how do you represent the people? You're representing yourself. You're not representing me. Or the well, that, that's the whole thing today with, with what the GOP is doing in general is just scare people, scare people, raise money, scare people, raise money, scare people, get reelected. You know, I don't and I I read a lot of uh, obviously a lot of uh, other newspapers. I, I don't know which writer said this. I, I wish I'd have written it down because I've read so much since then. But they made a real valid point, said Nikki Haley is staying in this race and she's speaking to a Republican Party that no longer exists. And, you know, there's some truth in that. Uh, the Republican Party that we once knew, I don't think – and if it exists, it has no power right now. You know, it's being dominated by another Republican Party. Yeah. And we're seeing that. Well, I, I, I think it exists. I, I disagree. I mean, I know what she's doing and setting herself up to be, and I get that. Uh, you know, and if you look at South Carolina, Trump didn't get 40% of the Republican vote. Yeah. You, you know, and if you look at Michigan, uh, this, uh, uh, uncommitted, uh, thing against Biden with the Democrats up there because we've got one of the larger Muslim populations, uh, in that area sent a very clear message. They both have a problem with this. And and I she's going to stick in this to be, hopefully be the uh, we need someone to step up candidate because all hell is broken loose with these trials and everything else or not. I don't know how she does it uh, money-wise and organizational-wise. But I think there are three kinds of Republicans right now. Three. I'm going to put it, I mean, we'll put it in, what was Hillary's basket? <laughs> that, that thing. There are the diehard MAGA people. Right. And and I don't Trump said it himself. I could shoot somebody in the middle of downtown Manhattan and they wouldn't care. And I think that is a, a giant percentage of voters. I think there are people who know what they're doing is wrong, but do it anyway because of the fear of having that tide turned against them. And so they will flip flop and they will do things that they probably wouldn't do if there was a different figurehead at the top of the party, if a George Bush or a Mitt Romney was there. And then I think there are the ones who refuse to do that and they have been just cast aside. The Mitt Romneys, the uh, Liz Cheney's, the, um, who's our guy, Adam Tinziger, you, you know, those kind of Republicans. I, I see it in three piles. Yeah, that's probably pretty – well, and, and the end result of the three piles is you don't have a unified party. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a unified party, can you win in November? And, and you can't trust that middle part because that middle part might want to do the right thing, but all it takes is one social media post, and they end up voting against something that they probably would have supported. Yeah. And, and you don't have any integrity then. No. Well, that's I think that's that's what people are looking for. And talk about uh, maybe Nikki is speaking to a Republican Party that doesn't exist anymore. I think that party exists, but it's been silenced, you know, at this point. Some of them have self-silenced uh, and that's on them. Uh, Nikki Haley, I think you met. Uh, now, I do think that there's and, and the Democrats have the same problems on, on the other side. I mean, you, you know, you can't support Israel now or we're going to make sure you're held accountable. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening. Uh, where the fringe has become sort of the majority. 
Yeah, and right now they're calling the shots. Uh, they're dictating policy right. in, in but, this country. But if you look at Gallup polling and look at it over months and months and months, and there's dips and fluctuations and things that, you know, are the forefront of the media can help drive that, you know, one way or another. But you look at what most people would respond to is, hey, we want to figure out how you can put more of your own money in your pocket and not, life not be so expensive and that you've got a pathway to – And I mean, those old-fashioned things that politicians used to run on because people – vote their checkbook or vote their wallet or vote their pocketbook, I think they used to say back in the day when you had a pocketbook. They've gotten away from all that. Now they tap into the ugliest parts of our nature about you have to be fearful of them, you have to hate them. It's one side or the other where we're democracy as we know it will end. Well, I think, too, you look at it and say, you know, I may disagree with you, but I don't hate you. And unfortunately, it's just like you disagree with me. You've got an enemy, you know, right here. And, well, and that, that's, that's changed. We, yeah. we are. We, we've gone full on walking dead. You know, we didn't even need the zombie apocalypse. It's just tribalism. Uh, and that's unfortunately uh, a lot of people respond to that. All right, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the milkman uh, column here. I, when did they stop doing this? Do you have any idea? I, I'm not sure, uh, but it's. Uh, I don't have any recollections of it myself uh, in my lifetime. Yeah, I do, and I mentioned in there when we lived in the Elms that we had a box, an insulated box, insulated box on the front porch. Yeah, I, now I, now the the milkman didn't have a horse and buggy. He, he came in a truck, and. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I didn't think anything about it, but a lot of people back in that day had milk and they had chocolate milk and orange juice and that and bottles and be delivered in that insulated box. I think one amazing thing was they would even trust the milkman to the point back in that day that many of them would leave the door unlocked. He'd come in, put the milk in the refrigerator and leave. <laughs> so it's things have changed a little since then. But that that was a, a part of Decatur and a part of America that that was kind of spatial, you know, back in the day. I, I, I'm wondering why, uh, you, you know, I mean, you, you would go out and buy all your other refrigerated products, <laughs> but milk was delivered to you at home. And it was probably ridiculously inexpensive. Well, also, too, people ate breakfast at home. They got up and they had milk or orange juice or whatever. They didn't have to go out and buy it. Yeah. If you had a family, you probably went through that during the day pretty fast. But, and that's probably the reason that it, it finally disappeared. Evidently, it was still going on in some places in the 1990s. Yeah, I think it was in the 1970s, the last that uh, that was delivered to our house when we had kids at home. Well, that would have been in my lifetime. Uh, That's strange. I don't have any person. It doesn't mean we didn't. I I just don't remember it. Uh, But evidently, it died out after the deregulation of the milk industry. Um, And I guess supermarkets uh, and other stores weren't allowed. uh, uh, I mean, like they, they, the powers that be had that milk industry cornered. (laughs) Yeah, the. well, we had dairies all over the place here in Decatur. Yeah, small dairies, small home-owned dairies had metal gold and and all of these, and probably that was uh, maybe a huge uh, employer. I'm thinking of downtown. There were a couple of dairies downtown. Yeah, you know, and that's even going back to the horse and buggy days when they delivered. But and the horses even knew their routes. That's what the funny part. <laughs> Should walk up and stop and milkman to get out. He'd be up for the next, the next step. In 1963, uh, 29.7% of consumers in the U.S. had milk delivered. Uh, but by 1975, that number dropped to 6.9%. So there's, uh, it's an interesting history. I didn't know any of this until you wrote about it, uh, in your column, the history of, uh, Decatur's milkmen. Um, there, there was, you know, the milk companies sort of owned that domain and you couldn't necessarily buy it in some places. And so the home delivery thing was there. They deregulated all that and then it all went away. Yeah. And we had uh, some of the people that I interviewed years ago who were, were milkmen. Uh, they worked for 40, 45 years delivering milk to doors. And, uh, and I remember one of the golf pros here, about the last one I remember, he was a golf pro out of Scoville. But early morning, you know, I walked out the door and he was delivering milk at my door kind of to supplement his income, I guess. So a lot of people had that in the, the last days as kind of a supplemental uh, part of their income. 
And, uh, you know, they weren't driving horses or anything, but they had a, you know, just a milk van and milk truck. All right. We've got to go. We're out of time. You can read all about it. Page four and five are some great photos. If you, uh, like a little look at history, uh, the community years gone by. Paul, uh, we appreciate it. Have a great week and uh, weekend and we'll see you next uh, Thursday. We're going to take a break for bottom of the hour stories and news. When we get back here, we'll check in with Mark Tupper and Tupper on sports. Uh, and we'll check in on our line. I take a giveaway as well. Stay tuned. This is R.J. Crace with your stories now. A new study confirms what most Illinoisans already knew. Property taxes in the state are among the highest in the nation. The personal finance website WalletHub ranks Illinois 50th among all states and Washington, D.C. for real estate property taxes ahead of only New Jersey. The study shows the average American household spends over $2,800 a year in property taxes. In Illinois, that number is almost double, over $5,000. Illinois is one of only three states with a property tax rate of over 2%. The Mount Zion Chamber of Commerce is hosting their Chamber Expo and Taste on March 16th. The free family-friendly event will be at the Mount Zion Convention Center from 9 to 2. Tickets for the Taste will be available at the door for $7 for five tickets. A magic show, MTZ drumline, a fashion show, and a jiu-jitsu demonstration are just some of the things going on that day. Find out more at our website, nowdecatur.com. News. I'm Chris Foster. Supreme Court will arguments April 22nd over whether former President Trump is immune from prosecution in a federal election interference case. The immunity question has kept proceedings on hold since December. The court has yet to rule meantime on whether Trump can be kept off ballots. A state judge in Illinois says he's ineligible to run. Illinois joins Colorado and Maine where officials have argued he should be booted from the ballot, citing the same reason that he engaged in an insurrection trying to hold on to power after the 2020 election. Fox is Rich Edson. Trump and President Biden will both be at the southern border today. In Texas, Trump and Biden will be five hours apart in areas seeing different numbers of migrants. Eagle Pass, where Trump is going, has seen over 2,000 migrants in recent days. Brownsville, where Biden is going, far fewer, just 46. Fox's Lucas Tomlinson. President Biden will be making remarks urging Congress to pass a border security bill. America's listening to Fox News. Hello, I'm Chuck Erickson, a working-class conservative Republican candidate for state representative in the 88th District. I say working-class as I came from a lower-middle-class family. My parents were factory workers, and so was I, until I dedicated my life to practicing law. I've been doing so since 1997. And since 2011, I've served on the McLean County Board. Presently, I am chairman of the Justice Committee and ranking member on the Finance Committee. I've also served as chairman of my county Republican party. And since 2011, I've served on the McLean County Board. Every time the rubber has had to meet the road, I have been a reliable, consistent, effective conservative. I led the fight in my county for small businesses to stay open and survive during the COVID pandemic in 2020. I also introduced a resolution to ban our tax dollars from being used for illegal immigrants. I'm asking for your vote in the Republican primary. Vote for an experienced conservative. Vote Chuck Erickson. Paid for by friends of Chuck Chuck Erickson. The Mount Zion Spring Craft Show at the Mount Zion Convention Center is back. The perfect place to find unique handmade items for your home. The craft show starts Friday night, March 1st from 7 till 9 and continues on Saturday the 2nd from 9 a.m. until 3 p.m. Admission is free. Food will be available for purchase from the kitchen of Doris Yoder. For more information on the Mount Zion Spring Craft Show, call 864-5424 or Facebook.com slash Mount Zion Craft Shows. You know, about a month ago, it was dark when we were doing this right now. Beautiful sunny morning. That's right. Today, it's going to be sunny with a high of 48. Tonight, partly cloudy, low of 31. For Friday, slight chance of rain and snow, mostly cloudy, high near 46. And Saturday, sunny with a high near 62. Current temperature in downtown Decatur, 25 degrees. Your WSOY time is 7.33. On Sports on WSOY 1340 AM and 103.3 FM. Streaming live at NowDecatur.com. Each and every weekday morning, we check in with Mark Tupper and Tupper on Sports. All right, let's start with the line basketball. 
You know, there was a time, Brian, when um, Big Ten basketball meant a whole lot of physical defense, sluggish offense, a final score in the 60s, or on occasion in the 50s. I remember when Bruce Weber was coaching, uh, when the final score, I think it was against Penn State, was like 50-something to 40-something, and the national media <laughs> mocked the Big Ten, uh, right, rightfully so, for its lack of offense. Uh, but that's not the case anymore. Uh, last night, Illinois outscored Minnesota 105 to 97. And since January, and these games all in Big Ten play, Illinois is averaging almost 86 points a game. Uh, and while the defense still worries me, they just score so efficiently that it often doesn't seem to make any difference. So, you know, you look at Minnesota's numbers from the game last night, and you would think there's no way Illinois could win this game. Minnesota shot 60% from the game. They shot 70% from three. But Terrence Shannon had 29. Marcus Damask had 22. Coleman Hawkins had 20. Each of them shot better than 50%. They had two other guys in double figures. You know, 105 is a big number. But with their balance, um, Illinois is just very difficult to guard. I still think you're going to have to get stops. And um, I think we'll see that the next two games when Illinois goes to Wisconsin on Saturday and then when they host Purdue for the final uh, regular season home game next Tuesday. They finish the regular season a week from Sunday at Iowa. That looks like another, uh, you know, first team to 100 wins kind of a game because neither one of those teams are playing a lot of defense right now. Uh, And by the way, last night was Illinois' first Big Ten game in which they scored more than 100 points since 1994. That's 30 years. So it's at Wisconsin Saturday. That game tips off at noon. Then Purdue for the final home game uh, Tuesday. That game starts at 6. And then the regular season finale at Iowa on Sunday, March 10th. That game starts at 6 o'clock. Then the Big Ten tournament begins March 13th in Minneapolis. And then Selection Sunday is March 17th. And and it'll all come at us pretty fast now. Uh, Victory number 21 last night for the Illini. That's crazy, Mark. You know, I've been talking five days a week for 28 years, and that hasn't happened. (laughs) That's insane. Amazing. All right. On the other side of the break, uh, Caitlin Clark, uh, in most people's opinion, broke the real record uh, last night. We'll get into that with Mark. It's brought to you by First National Bank, the Quality Bank, now open in downtown Decatur. Spring is right around the corner and a perfect time to take advantage of a CD special from First National Bank of Decatur. Offering an annual percentage yield as high as 5.28% for nine months, depending on the product type. For details, visit either Decatur branch at 1688 Baltimore Road or downtown in the Millican Building. You can also visit one of our other branches in Pena, Assumption, Taylorville, or Blue Mound. This is a limited time special and is subject to change. Penalty for early withdrawal. First National Bank of Decatur, the quality bank. FNB quality. Bank, member FDIC. Back here with Mark Tupper and Tupper on Sports. Boy, looking at the crowd, you would have not realized they were in Minneapolis. No kidding. You know, um, another big night for Iowa's Caitlin Clark. She's had a point in her amazing career where every game she seems to swallow up one record or another. I mean, she's going to get them all. Men, women, you know, major college and not so major Last night, she had another triple-double, 33 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists, passed Lynette Woodard to claim the major college women's career scoring mark. Lynette played in the old um, AIAW, which is Association of Intercollegiate Athletics for Women, and she now needs 18 points to pass Pete Maravich for the all-time NCAA career scoring mark, uh, men or women, and then has uh, and has one final regular season game Sunday against Big Ten leader Ohio State. That is in, in Iowa City. That game starts at noon, and it will be televised on Fox. She hit eight threes last night and has made 156 threes this season and 503 three-pointers in her career. Uh, Iowa won the game at Minneapolis uh, and at Minnesota last night, 108 to 60. That means that the Iowa men's and women's teams gave up 213 points last night. I will bet that's a record too. I don't think that's listed anywhere, but I'm just going to bet you that's a record. Um, they contacted Lynette Woodard, and she was very gracious. 
and said she has never met Caitlin Clark, but she would love to and could share with her some things that only the record holder would understand. And I just wish Pete Maravich was still living. I would love to hear a face-to-face conversation between Pistol Pete and Caitlin Clark. Those two see the game different than other uh, garden variety college basketball players because they have skills that uh, that you know the average person wouldn't wouldn't understand and i think that would be a fascinating interview <clears throat> and it would be really cool to listen to them share whatever secrets they have and sadly that can't happen so uh, but congratulations to Caitlin Clark uh, another game another record coming up sport talk tonight from 5 to 6 Tim Kane and i will be in the studio hope you can join us a lot to talk about college hoops uh, nfl com- going on major league baseball heating up so join us tonight at five o'clock all right my friend have a great show and if you're not able to be with mark and tim tonight live you can always check out the podcast at nowdecator.com watched a little bit uh, of this uh and and i'm glad they acknowledged uh you know um the crazy thing about when the uh, what was it the aiaw um the coaches that were coaching then that then when it turned into the NCAA, like when they were folded into the NCAA, they got to keep their records moving forward. So like Pat, some, you know, like when you look at like all time coaching wins. So had she played one year later or been one year older and had gone into the NCAA, then those record points would have come with her. Right. That's crazy. A year. Silly. Well, it is, but I mean, I, I don't know. I think a lot of rules are silly. And I think then people will tell you, yeah, well, if you don't have the rules, you got to have the rules. I don't know. I mean, you know, she clearly accomplished what she accomplished. You know, there's no denying the points. Now there's also no denying that Caitlin Clark has the true record, however you want to look at this or not. An 18 away from Pete. She, she set the three point record uh, as well during that game. I mean, she's on a mission. She's not going to be denied. No, but I'm, I'm saying I, I like the fact that it, you know, that they certainly acknowledged Woodard and, and the coach, you know, even said tonight, Caitlin broke the real record, you know, and that's no disparaging the other gal who had the other record, but now there's no debating, you know, that's right. not this league, that league. But I did read yesterday that that, that player was like one year, you know, had she been one year older, all those points would have moved with her into the NCAA. Yeah, and it's funny. I read about her a little bit that she was in the early Played days the of the Globetrotters. Yeah, Globetrotters and then the WNBA. And it's like, man, just imagine now where the WNBA has all the world's best. I mean, just, and that's just what, missed. That's what Caitlin Clark said last night. Uh, that, uh, um, I wouldn't have the opportunity to be able to do what I'm doing every single night if it wasn't for people like her. I mean, they did, she did all the right things, said all the right things. But now, even the haters, you got nothing to hang on to. All of the, and then 19 points later, she, she got, got all the men's record. She got it all. And she's the biggest star in college sports, in college basketball right now. Yeah. And I think on either side, men or women. For sure. Colin Cowherd says it's because of the one and done stuff. You know, you don't build relationships with college players on the men's side like you do. You've had four years of Caitlin Clark. Part of that started during COVID and then it really broke out last year. But it's hard to build that kind of, you know, you get fans, but you don't. And if you're, I mean, if you're an Iowa fan, this is something you've never experienced before. I mean, a, a lifelong Iowa fan. But you've also had four years to get to know her and build a brand and a personality in the women's side of things that maybe you don't get in the men's. I don't know if that's right or not. Um, he thinks that's why she's the biggest story in basketball. I think it's uh, part of it, but we've seen one and done since the 90s, you know, and, and some of the biggest stars but in when, the sport. But when did it become common, though? I mean, like, we, yeah, you had one-offs, but, I mean, when did – what what I don't just don't know what era, what year. Like, like Carmelo Anthony, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, when did it become the norm? not the one-off or two-off kind of thing? Um, my The way I feel about it is like 10 years. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and I'd have to go and substantiate it, but that's what it feels like. Like at some point, even not being a huge basketball fan, I could have told you who was playing for Duke. Or That's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a long time. 10 years? At least. Yeah, that's probably right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't know if that's it or not. I, she's got something different. I, I mean, yeah. whatever that is, I don't know how you identify it. It's a, probably a lot of things, you know, all adding into one big thing. She's the whole thing. Yeah. I think people love people who perform under pressure, people who deliver when other people can't. I think that's one of the things that we love in athletes. That's what you had in Michael Jordan. 
right? Like you just felt if he had to, he could will his way to a win. Yeah, and I think that there's some uh, level of she's the hero that many people needed. A lot of girls, a lot of women look at her. Yeah, but there's been a lot of athletes you could put in there. I, I mean, over the last few years, right? I, I mean, as it's been, I, I don't, I just don't know how to pinpoint it. I mean, it's probably 800 things, but whatever it, it is, it adds up to something pretty magical. Yeah, she's great. I'm, I'm enjoying watching her play and tracking her career, and I'll, I'll continue it on. Right. And, and I feel like there's some people that may think it's overhyped, but every time you think you're at that threshold, she just comes in and delivers again. That's right. Triple double and she's gonna set the all the records by the end of the regular season and yeah. then put a little garnish on top. And, and the, the crazy thing is they won't be the favorites to win the tournament. No. But let let that happen. Let that happen. Let them crawl all the way up to the final game and the ball be in her hands when it matters. And then it's internet breaks. It, well, yes, that's true. I don't think they'll do that because I just don't think Probably she has not. the talent around her to Probably do not. that. Uh, there are other teams that are better, including Ohio State. I mean, yeah. They're not even the best team in the Big Ten. No. But they have the biggest star in all of college basketball. And she always seems to say the right thing and do the right thing, respectful of everything. Uh, last night I thought it was just picture perfect in the way she handled it, the coach handled it. I thought it was great. I'm excited about it. Right. I'm happy for her. Good for her. What, does she need 19 points to break the yeah, record, to 18 over. to tie? I'm also happy for the ladies that are getting their shine along the along the way that are getting spotlight that I would have never known about or sure. certainly not to the extent that I did. Yeah. It's great. Uh, now, she's, by the way, um, she got her, she's not even close to the record for triple doubles. No, probably not. She's had, that's her 17th triple-double. She's second uh, to Oregon's uh, Sabrina. Uh, Iannusco? Yes, yeah. who had 26. So she's quite yeah. ways off And then that. the men's, when you have the, the guys playing down in the post that are averaging a double-double and then throw the pass out. Right, I mean, right, It's right. just different basketball. Yep, completely. All right, let's do this. We'll take the break. Uh, we'll get back here. I'll tell you about uh, the Illinois uh, Manufacturers Association, the Maker's Madness Contest. Uh, nominations are open. Uh, be the coolest uh, thing made in Illinois. Let's bring that trophy back home. What would you throw in as a nomination? I don't know. I had this conversation Tuesday night. I'd, I'd have to stop and look and see who hasn't been nominated or who needs just another nudge back in the dance. We got a lot of good stuff. We do. And, and I, I don't think it, you know, the crazy thing is it's all over the place size and scope wise, right? doesn't have to be the biggest, like, you know, earth mover, like on earth. I mean, like the Caterpillar win. It could be a treat. Yes, absolutely could. The coolest things made in Illinois. We'll get into it. And then uh, our uh, friends from Millican University will be here at the uh, top of the hour. Back with more. Time now for the Marquee Coffee Break. Fresh roasting coffee locally in Ford, indicated for over 40 years. Marquee Coffee, the official drink of choice for discerning coffee drinkers everywhere. The magic is in our beans. Spring is just around the corner. From the ground up, Landscapes has a few spring installation slots still available. Specializing in brick patios and sidewalks, outdoor kitchens, pergolas and pavilions, water features, plant installations, and more. Contact us at ftgulandscapes.com. That's ftgulandscapes.com to request a visit to discuss your job. Give us a call at 233-1310. That's 233-1310. From the ground up, Landscapes, by design for style paid for by christian care ministry let's see if something costs less but people are happier with it that sounds like something to look into and that is metashare maybe you've heard switching to metashare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month and that is huge but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch too. the member satisfaction rate for metashare is double that of the typical health insurance plan Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So 
see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 855-51-BIBLE. That's 855-51-BIBLE. 855-51-BIBLE. This is Tom Brinkotter with Brinkotter Realtors. It is truly an honor to carry on the legacy started by my father many years ago. Despite technology playing a big role in today's business landscape, we remain dedicated to the values of the past. Being a family business, our commitment has always been deeply personal. Our devotion lies with our clients, our responsibility within our community, every day, earning your business one hand shake at a time. Discover the difference at Brink Auto Realtors. Modern tech, timeless values. Visit us online or call to connect with one of our agents today. You're listening to Buyers and Company, streaming live at nowdecator.com. We're back here on a beautiful, beautiful Thursday morning. I look at the nominating process uh, for uh, nominating a business for the Illinois Manufacturers Association uh, Makers Madness uh, bracket-style uh, tournament to determine the coolest thing made in Illinois. It's a real simple entry. Name, email, product name, manufacturer, manufacturer's website, where in Illinois is the product made, Describe the product in 20 words or less. And then update or uh, upload a product photo. That's it. Right. So this doesn't mean that you need to, to get the whole marketing team together and it be your own business. You could simply just say, hey, I like the, you know, the churros they make it down in Macon at this place. Here's a picture of them from where I – and if they get far enough along, they'll contact the people and get yeah. the right stuff. Uh, I don't think you can do like a restaurant. There was – that was a bad example. I, there are um, like confectionaries that have been made and yes, nominated. Yes, I, I think stuff that maybe ends up in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, but like if, you know, you, you create your own spice line yes. and manufacture. And, yeah, I picked a bad example. That's okay. But, no, but, I, but that's – it's not a lot of work to no, do it is my no, no, point. No, no, And you don't have to be affiliated with them. No. So, yeah, just send over something you think is awesome that's made in Illinois. Made in Decatur. Well, yeah, or we prefer. Or this area, yeah. yeah don't we don't nominate prefer. somebody else. Yeah. We'd prefer to bring one home. There's a lot of cool manufacturers here in town. Uh, so who's won this in the past? Oh, man, I don't have the recall. I do follow it every year, but the only one that, that I... There was a traffic signal heater, I think, was one of them, like maybe in 2021. Uh, I, I don't. I have to go back and, and dig up the stories. Uh, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Caterpillar won it the first year? Yeah, it was a big old dump truck. So... And we've been in it every year. Mm-hmm. We had some really interesting categories last year, too, yeah. if you remember correctly. Yeah. There oh, was yeah. one in particular. Monticello. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yep. <laughs> the old 18-plus division. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, you, you can Google that if you'd like. Uh, I'm sure that it will uh, take care of you. Anyway, you can go to the uh, Illinois Manufacturers Association. It's ima-net.org uh, and find the nominating process. Very simple and easy to do. Yeah, one thing I like to do when those uh, brackets are announced is I go through and look and I go, oh, that's made here. And, and every time I've learned about you know a handful of companies of products I'm Totally familiar with, maybe even have. But didn't know they were made. No here. idea, yeah. yeah. It's always fun to do that. Yep. Uh, all right. Check it out. It's uh, pretty cool. So if you remember back in 1992, and, and you and I haven't talked about this today. We're talking about it a little bit with Paul about, you, you know, you, if you look at Gallup polling, what's important to the American voter today? It fluctuates, you, you know, just like news headlines will drive other things, you, you know, um, it will also, I think, drive voter opinion on things. But the crazy thing is when you get in on, like, immigration, right? And it, how do you – what what polling doesn't tell you is if 30% of the people say that's the top thing on their list, right? That doesn't tell you whether that's a good or a bad thing. Exactly right. Yeah. It's a combination of people who are appalled by some behavior, people who absolutely think the border is being overrun and we've got to do something. But all those numbers get put into that one category, meaning that's your concern. Doesn't mean one side or the other is winning that whole chunk. Right. 
This is the thing people don't understand about polling. Now, if you go into the deep dive on polling, which I've learned to do over the years, it's not just the headlines. You got to go look at the tabs and, you know, and get more insight, you know, and demographics and things like that. So it, the same way with the economy, right? What's your overall, what's the most important thing to you? And you say the economy. Well, you might think the economy is doing well. You might think Wall Street's doing okay. You might think uh, inflation is going to go down. And you might have the exact opposite of all those things, but you're still lumped into one thing of what's most important to you, the economy. You might be standing there pumping gas, mad that it costs so much, excited because you're looking at your phone and your stocks are up. Right. At the exact same moment. Or you, or there'd be two people having those mutually shared experiences right. and they both get in that number of exactly what's right. most important to you. Now, what's most concerned to you? Same thing. If I'm concerned the Governor Abbott is sticking people on airplanes and dropping them off with nowhere to go, and I'm concerned that Texas is being overrun by uh, people who will not come here legally and we won't do anything about it, those are both concerns. And they're both concerns about immigration. That have absolute different outcomes. If Completely different. Base a vote on it. Right. So in 1992, James Carville, who was a an up and comer uh, political operative, ends up getting uh, the Clinton uh, team. He's the guy who's put in charge to get Clinton elected. And out of that came the book Primary Colors and the movie with John Travolta and, uh, and all of that. Um, and, and the operative in the movie was a female who was played by Kathy Bates. But all that was based on that Clinton run. And Carville coined the phrase, it's the economy, stupid. Which was a brilliant forward response to just about everything, meaning quit being too cute by half. People care about their money and the cost of living and how high it is. They care about what the gallon of gas cost at the gas station. It was a brilliant move that you could put aside uh, George Bush standing in the grocery thing, not knowing there was an automatic scanner because it's clear he hadn't been in a grocery store in 20 years. Or looking at his watch in a debate. Like, he didn't have time for this mundane stuff that you worry about. So it's the economy, stupid. Worked really well for them. As a catch-all and a way of saying, hey, we're running for you. And now I look ahead, and they, they were pretty intense. And, and I always I thought it was ridiculous they called it the war room. They even did a documentary calling it the war room. You weren't at war. I hate when people use that analogy, right? Was that the big Mark Wahlberg, Tom Cruise dust up? I don't remember that. Yeah, they had like, Tom Cruise had said something about one of those movies he made that, like, where he, like, in the future, where he was in the army, said it was like the real thing. Like Mark oh, yeah, Wahlberg's like, tomorrow, no, uh, yep. no, it's not. Yep. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's an interesting documentary if you ever get a chance to watch it. Young George Stephanopoulos and Carville and that crew and how they tapped into uh, this guy's just an elite rich guy from the rich family, doesn't care about your kitchen table. I think that's today still works. But the Biden campaign is not very good at it, like getting that message through. They feel, I feel like they're always on defense. The idea that they're going to do this thing today with both of them at the border just seems like nonsensical to me. Like that's being there and standing in front of a fence and looking at a camera isn't solving anything. On the topic of, you know, just the wallet directly talking about the, the simplified down end user, how it feels. I think that that's been what they've focused a lot of their messaging on. A lot of it. They're not very good at it, is what I, I said. I didn't say they weren't focused on it. I said they're not very good at it. They they end up... So you think they're doing a good job messaging the economy? Like $35 cap on diabetes is a very simple thing for okay. people to understand. If you have diabetes. Or if you don't, you can understand that... that uh, if I don't have diabetes, I have no idea what insulin costs. Yeah, then I got... I mean, I, then it's a pointless exercise for me to say that I... I don't have diabetes. I understand that insulin costs a lot of money because it's beat all over everything. And him saying $35 cap is pretty easy for me to understand. Okay. I don't have to have diabetes to understand that. 
I didn't say you did. I'm just saying that that isn't selling the economy to everybody. I mean, that's a, such a minor, not a minor thing to people with diabetes, but it's the economy, stupid, worked because it was a catch-all for everything and that the other side was out of touch and didn't get it. I'm saying they could do a lot. The economy is actually in many ways a lot better than what people think it is because they haven't effectively managed that marketing at all. I, I mean, I don't share the same sentiment, but I understand it. I, look at polling. I, I mean, I, look at how people perceive okay. it versus the way it is or how the other side just will lie about it. And there's no effective defense. I think they spend most of their time on their heels in a defensive position, this administration. I really do. Reacting to things. Which when you're in a general campaign, it's not going to matter because there's no primary opponent to speak of. I mean, not really. You've got what's that guy running around from? I can't remember where he's from, which is why it's not a problem. Uh, you got the other guy who was going to be maybe a problem with Kennedy, you know, running as an independent. So you don't, you, you have time to get this ground game together. You, you know, it's a long way to November. But I think if you listen to James Carville or you listen to Democratic operatives, they are disappointed in the way that this administration is messaging and getting out there the news that they think they should. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.